Welcome to First Baptist Church and the fourth Sunday of Advent. Our waiting is almost over. In these last days of Advent, we stand on the threshold of Christmas. As we have awaited, we have experienced the presence of the one for whom we wait. God's presence brings peace. We have placed ourselves in the posture of God's people in the Old Testament, awaiting their Messiah. This is one of the promises that kept their faith strong. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. From Isaiah 9-6. Oh, was born into a time of turmoil. The slaughter of the innocents is the dark stain on the Christmas story. Herod, threatened by the birth of the child that people are calling a king, ordered the murder of all male children in and around Bethlehem, age two and under. We can hardly comprehend it. Like so many atrocities taking place around the world where the innocent die, but God promises that one day the fighting will end that those who fight will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up swords against nation, nor will there be any war anymore. The peacemakers will be blessed indeed. We light this candle for every child of God who has lost their families, their homes, and their innocence to war. We light these candles as people who long for Jesus and the peace of God for ourselves, our families, communities, and for the whole world. Merry Christmas! Let's stand together and sing together today. All of these songs of Christmas today, a festival of Christmas carols. Join us as we sing Joy to the World and a host of other songs together. Let me hear you sing together this morning, church. Let's worship together. Thank you. 
Amen? Amen. I want us to sing again. Amen? Let's sing some great Christmas carols of our faith. Why don't you stand together as we sing? And let's sing Angels from the Realms of Glory. Sing strong today.
Join me as we pray, please. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Father, on this Christmas of 2017, that's our prayer. That Christ will be born in our hearts. And because he's born in our hearts, we want to share him with the world and we want to live out the gospel in our own lives. We pray for these tithes and offerings that we're about to, to receive this morning, that they'll be used just for that.
For we ask in your son's name. Amen.
so far, nor so long ago. But people had peace, or though they thought so. They lived in their houses, all snuggled with care. But something was missing, something not there. They looked for it in stores, in boxes, in bags. They looked for it in stuff, but fought over rags. They fought over toys and things that went beep. They fought over clothes and even their sheep. But something was missing. On another level, things might seem quite bright. But other times not, it looked more like night. Nation rose against nation, man fought against man. Even in that chaos, God still had a plan. It didn't include armies, or thunder, or might, but came as a baby, one silent night. A radical love came to us that day. God had something to show us, something to say. That peace was more than a feeling or thought. A relationship with God, that's what Jesus taught. For God so loved the world that he gave us his son. It's a great gift, it's for everyone. Through that little baby, he showed us our worth. It's a pretty good idea. This peace on earth. It's a pretty good idea. This peace on earth. Have you ever thought, I just want some peace? I just want some peace. I, I suspect we've all been there. And maybe we are there this morning. Sometimes a disease steals peace from our lives. Perhaps you or a loved one has received a diagnosis this year that has uh, sucked peace right out of your life. Or maybe you deal with chronic issues that steal peace every day. And all that brings a great deal of uncertainty. Just when you think you have the answer, you don't. And you simply want peace. For others, conflict may be sucking peace from your life. Uh, maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your business. But the relationships are tense and you can't break them off. Uh, you can't move on. And so you're forced to live in a state of anything but peace. But you want peace. Perhaps peace is lacking in your life due to financial issues. All you want for Christmas is a job, <laughs> or a better paying one at least, because it's tough making ends meet. In fact, they never do, and debt is burning, burdening you, and, and you sense the impending implosion if something doesn't give. You want nothing more than peace. Maybe peace evades you because your mind is in turmoil Negative thoughts placed there by others or the enemy constantly gnaw at you, causing you to lie awake at night, to feel depressed, and be ineffective. It's not how you want things to be. You simply want peace. When someone asks, what do you want for Christmas? As you look at the stress and the uncertainty and even anguish all around you, you reply, all I want for Christmas is to simply have peace. So there's a big question before us this morning. Where do we get peace? You know, the world has some ideas. In fact, Coke would say all you need is a Coke. In 1971, Coca-Cola launched their classic, now iconic, hilltop Christmas commercial featuring a bunch of people from all over the world happily singing, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. And that's all it would take. Coca-Cola has repeated that 
feel-good commercial many times through the decades, sometimes playing the exact same thing, throwing their new tagline on it. But a Coke won't bring peace. But it really is good in those glass bottle Cokes. <laughs> glass bottles. Especially the little tiny ones. The world offers a lot of other ideas for gaining peace. In fact, you know, now we can just ask our phones what we need. So, how can I find peace? Here is what I found. Oh, thanks. Siri says, hmm, I could declutter my home. I could take some time off. I could, let's see, pause and exercise more. Yeah, those are, you know, hundreds of websites telling you how to have peace. And some of that is useful. And it, it may help you in some way or another. But when you're not sure what next year holds because of your cancer diagnosis, does clearing your workspace really help you? <laughs> When you need a job, does exercising really help? Not in the long haul. I mean, you might relieve some stress, but at the end of the day, you're right back where you were needing peace. The, the Coke bottle empties. The workout ends. You have to return after you escape for a little while. None of it provides true and lasting peace. And yet the Bible tells us that there is a way that we can have lasting peace. In fact, it tells us that we can have mind-blowing peace. Philippians 4, 7, Paul says we can receive a peace that passes understanding. Blow your mind. In Isaiah 26, 3, we're told that we can be kept in perfect peace. In 2 Thessalonians 3.16, we read that we can have peace at all times in every way. The Bible clearly tells us that if we simply want peace, well, we can have it. So, how do we get it? Well, let's encounter a little bit of the Christmas story to find out. And our text this morning is Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 33. And this story actually takes place about 40 days after Jesus was born. And we know that because Luke tells us in verse 21 that on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. So we're at least eight days there. And then in verse 22 we read, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. As Mary and Joseph leave Bethlehem and journey to Jerusalem, they went there in order to carry out a certain number of customs and celebrations there at the te temple. There are actually three things that they were going to carry out while we were there. The first was a purification ceremony for Mary herself. Leviticus 12 states that a woman who gave birth was to bring to the priest a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove as the offering. But what we read here, though, is that Mary actually brings two doves or pigeons. That indicates that she offers a poor woman's sacrifice because the law said that the lamb could be substituted with another dove or pigeon. And so we're reminded that Jesus was born into the home of a peasant family. Nobodies, commoners, everybody's, just like you and me. So they have the purification ceremony, but then they also were bringing to present their firstborn as Jesus is the firstborn of Mary. And so Jewish custom taught that the firstborn male was property of the Lord. And so Joseph and Mary present Jesus to the Lord. But then there was a third custom attached to that, and that was the dedication of the firstborn. 
Normally, once the firstborn was presented to the Lord, the family would offer a payment known as a ransom for the firstborn. And what this did was it set the firstborn child apart for the Lord, but it said we're paying this ransom price so he doesn't have to become a priest because the Levites are taking care of that job. What's interesting in this account is we do not see Mary and Joseph paying the ransom price. So apparently what they figured was they're giving Jesus to the Lord for however he wanted to use him. And of course, he would be a prophet, a priest, and a king. But another interesting thing is that that they don't pay a ransom price could be a subtle hint that Jesus, the sinless one, would not need to be redeemed. Because he himself would become the redeemer. And so those three ceremonies are are why Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were at the temple that day. And by all we can tell, it was just a normal old day at the temple. But God had a higher purpose in mind. And we pick up the story in verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. You now dismiss your servant in peace. We know nothing about Simeon except what Luke tells us right here. That he was a righteous man and devout. That he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That the Holy Spirit was upon him. And though Luke doesn't tell us that Simeon was old, we assume that he was old and an elderly man because of his willingness to be ready to die after his long period of waiting. I imagine Simeon was well known around the temple. It seems he was a standard fixture there. I imagine that little Jewish boys entered the temple courts with their dads and uh, they would ask, Abba, that old man is always here. What does he do? And the dad would say, oh son, that's old man Simeon. He's waiting for Messiah to come. And the dad could then take a moment to tell his son about the long-awaited Messiah. Old man Simeon had been told by the Lord that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And so think of that old man waiting there in the temple courts every day. He never knew what day would be the day, and so he waited every day. But on this day, the day that Mary and Joseph and Jesus were coming to the temple, the Holy Spirit apparently spoke to him and urged him to the temple saying, Simeon, today is the day. Be looking. Be watching. It's interesting too that Simeon probably didn't know what to look for. There's no indication that he was supposed to know to look for an infant. Perhaps he was looking for a a great soldier to walk into the temple courts that day. Someone who could lead in victorious battle. Or perhaps he was waiting for someone who looked like a person of nobility. Simeon did not know. And so he looked and he watched and he waited. And he took in every person that walked into that room and to those courts. Until finally the peasant couple that walked in caught his eye. And the Holy Spirit stirred his heart, and Simeon knew they were the couple. There he is, Simeon. There he is. So Simeon excitedly went to the couple, and can you imagine his approach, his aged legs wobbling, his hands spotted and wrinkled reaching out, and Mary and Joseph could tell by a smile and the tears streaming down his eyes that this was more than just an old man who loved babies. This was something special. He reached for the child. And Mary hesitated as any new mother would. But then she handed Jesus over to Simeon. Protecting his little head as he took her. And Simeon scooped up Jesus. The tears flowing ever more freely now. And his hands trembling but holding tight. And he let out a cry. Lord now! Now, Lord, you may dismiss your servant in peace. 
for my eyes have seen your salvation. I'm ready to die, Lord. I have peace. Simeon says, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. What a glorious word. Simeon doesn't say my eyes have seen part of your salvation or a path of salvation. He says his eyes have seen your salvation. Friends, salvation is a person. His name is Jesus. Salvation is not something you do. It's something he does. Jesus is God's salvation. Simeon knew that wonderful good news was not just for Jews who worshiped there in the temple, but the good news through Jesus would tear down all of those walls that separated Jew from Gentile and women from men and men from priests and priests from high priests. There would be no more walls. There would be no, no more veils. There would mean no more degrees of separation from God, but all would have access. It was the glory of Israel and the light for the Gentiles. Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said about Jesus. After 2,000 years of hearing the story, do we still marvel? It was the best news that they had ever heard. This is one of my favorite stories in the gospel account. And when I've seen the story of Simeon dramatized a few times, the choir sings as Simeon takes the baby and lights flash as Simeon lifts up Jesus like that moment in the Lion King, you know. The orchestra swells, the trumpets blast, the choir crescendos to triple forte. When I've seen paintings of this, everyone has halos on them and there's this light coming from heaven shining on Simeon and the baby. Those dramatizations in artwork, though beautiful and awe-inspiring, don't reflect the real nature of the event and how it really happened because it was a regular day at the temple. Though the Levite choir may have been singing, they didn't suddenly transition into the hallelujah chorus when Simeon took up baby Jesus. When Simeon cried out to God, people around him didn't suddenly turn and start breaking into a Broadway dance number celebrating the good news that had finally come. It was just a regular old day. An old man came to a young peasant couple and a conversation took place that no one heard but them. But that conversation that took place between those people has significance for all mankind. On that day, an old man who had waited and waited and waited finally had what he'd been longing for and we too are looking for. He had peace. Simeon had so much peace that he was ready to die. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may dismiss your servant in peace. Why could old man Simeon have such peace? I mean, all he did was meet a couple with a baby. Why could he have such peace? There's just one answer and it's found in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. There in that baby... There in Jesus, Simeon saw salvation and there Simeon found true peace. You see, friends, true peace comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from a Coke. It doesn't come from a treaty. It doesn't come from exercise, decluttering your home or doing yoga. True peace comes from Jesus. For he is the Prince of Peace. 700 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah declared, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And Simeon saw and personally experienced that peace, that mind-blowing peace that day. Because you see, the mind-blowing peace that Scripture promises doesn't come from something we do, nor does that peace settle on us from somewhere out there. It comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, every scripture that I shared with you earlier about this peace that we can have connects directly to relationship with God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So where does the peace of God which transcends all understanding come from? From the relationship we have in prayer. Where we pray about, ev- about everything and with thanksgiving. The perfect peace Isaiah offers in Isaiah 26.3 comes directly from the Lord when we're focused on Him in relationship. Isaiah 26.3 and 4 says you will keep in perfect peace. Who? Him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Anybody need a rock today? He is the one that is the rock. He is the one that brings perfect peace. The the peace that Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians comes at all times And in every way comes directly from the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with all of you. Peace, true peace, lasting peace comes from Jesus. Now you might be thinking, well, well, Stuart, I... I've got a relationship with God. I I am saved. But I don't have peace. Then you need to rest in that relationship. And grow in your relationship with God. And peace can come. As I've struggled through times where I have just wanted some peace, I've had to come back to my relationship with Jesus and focusing on Him as I grow in relationship with Him is the only way to have peace. Now, the interesting thing is, when I don't have peace, I don't always want to seek God for peace. I want to handle it myself or gripe or complain or whatever, but... I don't go to God, whereas God is the one who can give the peace. He's the only one that can give the peace. It's the enemy that wants us to keep us away from that. We live in a fallen, chaotic world. Disease, disaster, chaos, calamity, they are everywhere. And we can do what we can to prevent them and protect ourselves from them. But by the end of the day, we are helpless. All of us will face struggles. All of us will face times when there is no peace. So our only hope is to look to Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus squarely, intently, and trust him above all else. Through the storm, above the noise, and with everything we have to trust him, and then and only then will we find peace. There's a song that that we sing that tells us to look to God. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Friend, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you need one. Because if you want peace, you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Christmas is all about that relationship. When God the Father offered God the Son as the perfect gift of salvation, won't you receive him today? Maybe you're already a believer, but you're struggling to have peace. So I'd encourage you to analyze your relationship with the Lord today. Is it growing or are you coasting? Are you trusting him? Are you trying to make him fit your mold? Or are you trying to stay in control and not releasing control to him? I encourage you to grow in your relationship with him, to trust him completely and to allow him to work. You can have peace. He wants to give it to you. On July 9th, 1861, tragedy struck the home of America's most popular poet of the day. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's wife, Fanny, was near an open window, sealing locks of her daughter's hair with hot wax. And it was never known whether a spark from the match or the sealing wax itself was the cause, but suddenly... Longfellow's wife, Fanny's dress, caught fire and engulfed her in flames. Her husband, who was sleeping in the next room, was awakened by her screams. He desperately hurried to his wife's side. He put out the fire to try to save his wife. In the process, he was severely burned on his face and his hands. She, tragically burned, slipped into a coma the next day and died. His burns would not even allow him to attend her funeral. He seemed to lock the anguish within his soul because he continued to work his craft and only his family and those really close to him knew of his personal suffering. They could see it in his eyes. They observed his long periods of silence. His white beard that was so identified with him in later years was actually grown by him as a result of the tragedy to cover the burns on his face. Although a legend in his own time Longfellow still needed the peace that God gives to his children. On Christmas Day, three years after his wife died, he sat down to try to capture, if possible, the joys of the season. And he began writing, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. As he came to the third stanza, he was stopped by the thought of the condition of his beloved country. The country was at war. The Civil War was in full swing. The Battle of Gettysburg had not long passed. Days looked dark and he probably asked himself, how can I write about peace on earth, goodwill to men, when our own country is fighting one another? But he continued writing, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It seems as if he could have been writing in our kind of day. But then as all of us should do, he turned his thoughts to the one who solves all the problems, the only one who can give us mind-blowing peace. And he continued to write, then Pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Friends, peace can be yours. No matter the tragedy, no matter the trial, Jesus promises us mind-blowing peace. I pray it will be yours this year. No matter what is sucking the peace right out of your life today, remember that God is not dead, nor does he sleep. He knows exactly what's going on. He's right there with you. The wrong shall fail. The enemy will be defeated. There will be peace, goodwill to men, through Jesus Christ. May your prayer become that of old man Simeon who said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Peace. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would grant us peace. That it would settle in upon us. Lord, for those who are hurting and broken this morning, 
maybe through a loss that they've experienced, maybe through a diagnosis and a concern that's on their heart, maybe because of a job situation, a financial issue, Lord, whatever kind of crisis or gloom is sucking peace from their lives, I pray, God, that today they would experience your peace. Lord, not just peace for a moment, but peace that passes all understanding. Lord, if they need to give up control, I pray that they'd give it up. Lord, if they need to get closer to you, I pray that they'd get closer to you. If they need to establish a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. But Lord, in this moment, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.